0: Close at least fifty percent of your demos and build a pipeline large enough so you're always hitting quota. If you're looking to scale, then turn the volume up. All right, everybody. Today we have a monthly special guest, Nate Nasralla. He is the founder of Fluent.io. You probably io, right? You got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you never know the io and the AI nowadays. Yeah. But you've probably uh, uh, seen, started to, I mean, at least for me, I started seeing seeing his content on LinkedIn, followed him, connected with him, and really love what he's doing. And um, it's an interesting uh, sort of niche that he's going after. So I go after sales demos and he goes after post sales demos. And the problem that's happening, um, and I can completely uh, relate to this and agree with this, is that sales reps are not in the room. With the prospects after the demo, and so they don't know what's going on behind closed doors, and a lot of times they're losing deals because of that. Those internal conversations that are happening, or lack of internal conversations. Um, so he's going to talk about how to um, slash create slash enable your champion with a clear message, so they can go do the selling for you. Um, and this is right up my alley. I think this is sort of like aligned with FTTC. and I foresee me and Nate collaborating in some other ways beyond this. So Nate, you have the floor. I will stay true to the, the episode. So there's 20 minutes on the clock, but if it bleeds over again, it's fine. And I'm just going to listen in. You you have the mic.
1: Amazing. Well, and uh, let me know where I can go deeper, but this, um, this was the thing that cost me and my team deals, particularly in a complex setting where you have multiple different contacts, a series of different conversations that are happening. So if you're an AE that's trying to figure out how to move up market, land larger deals, if you're already selling to the enterprise and you know the complex sale, you know that the message being delivered in the internal conversations is key. And what this all comes down to is that in so many ways, the art of the complex sale is internal communications. Have you found and framed a problem that's worth solving? That's enough of a priority that everybody around the company that needs to weigh in is actually going to engage in the deal. And then have you set up a case for why the team needs to act and act by investing in your solution? And that's not something that you can do alone. Like you um, will be very good at articulating your product and you're helping people get even better on the demo but it's a team effort by working with the champion who knows exactly what makes their team different, how they think about their goals, how they talk about their goals, different from any other account. And that's the type of language. So when I think about the ideal partnership with a champion, it's the sales rep and the champion working together. You're selling with them as opposed to selling to them. Mm -hmm. So that's the overarching idea. Now where this starts to kind of get, um, get rolling now, what most sales reps do after the demo to start setting up that follow-up process is they will take a template email. They will say, hey, thanks so much for the time. Here's the product decks in the, in the standard materials that we walk through. So it looks by and large the same for every account. And the challenge is that at that point, you're leaving the entirety of the message up to that champion's control. Like they either have to, one- create it themselves. Many times a champion will actually go and write their own sales materials because it doesn't look and feel like them. They won't send templates or a case study to their boss and say, hey, read this and then let's talk about it. So you're actually giving them more work to do. Or two, you as a seller, you know how to think about discovery, finding problems, and not every buyer is going to be an experienced buyer who knows how to set up a very solid narrative that's engaging. So, here's what we're going to walk through the different components of like what goes into a good narrative. How do you find those? And then how do you put it together? Cool. So, so I'll put this all under the umbrella of what I'll call the bulletproof business case four elements that go into an internal narrative that you can enable your champion with. By the way, I've kind of made an assumption that everybody has a basic understanding of who a champion is. So, I'm going to go more kind of deeper into how to work with them as opposed to like what is a champion 101. Happy to go back and swing back um, where you feel there's more context that's needed as we go.
0: Can we maybe just give like, just in case someone's new to uh, SaaS mm-hmm. or, or um, doing demos, et cetera, maybe like a quick one sentence blurb of yeah. what a champion is?
1: So the champion is the glue that brings together all of the different contacts inside of a deal because they have influence. They can push your deal forward. They have incentive. They actually want this deal to happen. There's a personal tie to it. And they have hard to find information that you can't get alone um, or through somebody else. So glue, incentive influence information. That's the profile. Cool. Yeah. So the business case, like, how do you give your champion a good message to go share internally? So the first element is the problem statement. And so problem statements are something that I have a very specific formula for, and if you let me share my screen, I'll, I'll kind of walk you through yeah. that as we go. But this is where a lot of you people, can share, by the way,
0: you can share. Okay. No. Sweet.
1: So a lot of people are doing discovery to listen for like basic pain points or trigger phrases that then in your mind say, Oh, here, here's a product feature that I can insert here, but good discovery goes far deeper and is thinking not only about like the pain point, but the causes behind it and the consequences. So here's the way I think about writing out a problem statement. And by the way, if you can't do this for a particular account, chances are pretty good that your champion can't very succinctly message this to their team either. So here are the two components of it. There's costs and consequences. So inside of costs, there's frequency, reach, and pain, um, which results in some type of like quantified measure if possible, and then consequences. So let's go through some examples of, of what this looks like. So if you were to try to measure, here are some different companies, Drift, Gainsight, Mavenoid is some examples. So if you're, let's say, in the marketing space selling chatbot software at Drift, the problem is website visitors aren't converting to demos. So reach is like, how how widespread is this? Mm-hmm. Well, we have 50,000 website visits every, every single month, let's say, is the frequency.
0: So that's the question that a rep, for example, would ask a reach-related question.
1: Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Like, Hey, um, like roughly how many visitors do you think that this is affecting? Are we talking like 10,000, hundred thousand, somewhere in between, Mm -hmm. uh, then next, um, how often, like, um, curious when you as a marketing team are meeting to look back at your, you know, reports, how often are are you guys doing this and measuring success? Oh, we do this on a monthly basis. We have an end of month meeting. Great. So you want to do this in the structure that's familiar to the buyer, um, severity, like what's the ideal? What would you expect versus what's happening today? And this is going to allow you to put some numbers around and quantify the impact of that problem or the true cost. So like you're doing
0: the math essentially.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. And you're kind of walking through different questions to pull this out Mm -hmm. um, from them. So we say, you know, roughly and you can make an assumption on like average customer value. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Hey, roughly the cost is a million dollars worth of business because you've lost 500 demos right? in, in the Drift example. Now, of course, you can kind of update and adjust this based on the exact customer that you're working with. But the idea is now when you pair this with consequences, here's a very important point because this cost idea is pretty straightforward, right? You're trying to quantify the problem. But it's when this phrase is, that means that means we're spending more on paid ads to hit our targets which is driving up our cost to acquire customers and timeline. If this isn't addressed by Q2, we'll miss both our revenue and our CAC target. You could even go a layer deeper to try to figure out like, what's the context behind why this is bad news? Well, Hey, in early Q3, we're kicking off a new fundraise. Investors are going to be eyeing CAC. If it's rising, that's not a good thing. And so if you look at how this all starts in discovery, like you have to go deeper beyond just, for example, a marketing manager may say, hey, we're trying to cut and get rid of forms, create a better experience. What is a CMO thinking about? And most importantly, what is the CMO talking to their board about? It's not going to be a visitor workflow or website process. It's going to be the next fundraise and the unit economics that they're going to be sharing with other investors. And so this is the art of good discovery is beginning to ask questions go beyond that first problem that you find to say, Mm -hmm. so what does this mean? Who else is thinking about this? What's their view on it? How does it impact them? And that's how you can begin to couple these two pieces, costs and consequences.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. I had an example of this. I had a a lead that wanted sales coaching Mm -hmm. and asked him why. He's like, yeah, well, I want to close more demos. I'm like, why? Do you want to close more demos? He's like, Mm -hmm. well, our company actually just got acquired and now we have serious equity and we have about Four years technically now, three years left for us to execute our revenue targets in order to reap the rewards of that equity. So the big picture was we want to close more demos so we can make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Like we want to like execute exercise our equity. Um, and so sort of like on the when I sound like a scope of work and sow, mm-hmm. I have like the sort of like the problem statement, like an observation problem yep. statement. Yeah, and I I read um side note, I read a book, I'm sure you've heard of it, Story Brand.
1: Oh yeah, and, it's very good. Donald Miller. Yeah.
0: Yeah, amazing book. Um, but my the copy on my website is based on the learnings from that book. It's like, here are the problems as a result of these problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm i I'm, I'm thinking that's sort of what you're trying to write. Like this is the idea here.
1: Yeah, that's right. So the book ends to the business case. I'm gonna jump forward a little bit. So first piece is problem statement. The fourth is the payoff. And in StoryBrand, as an example, they talk about stakes. There's a big goal that somebody wants, and it either ends in comedy, very good news, or tragedy, like everything goes horribly right. wrong. And so the consequences, like in the Strift example, are you can't get funded because investors hate the CAC. You're not able to continue hiring or growing the company. But the good news is you could land a whopping, call it, Series B. And now everybody's options are marked up at the latest valuation. In your example, I love it because, I mean, talk about like driving urgency through the finish line. Like that's such, you can't make that up with any type of like end of month offer or classic right. sales tactic. Like everybody wants to unlock, you know, their own earning potential, which you're helping them do in that case. And it's because you did, you did discovery upfront to find that out.
0: And are you, are you in your problem, statement? are you recommending mm-hmm. to, um, have the statement, like the pain and the goal, meaning there's two different things, right? Like pain is I'm trying to solve a pain point and goals I'd like to get here. So are you including both of those?
1: Good question. So here, here are all elements of the business case. So problem statement is upfront. Payoff is the goal that they're trying to get to, but done in a very concrete and visual way. So you want to make it something that they can almost like step into and start living Mm-hmm. like that real intangible. And that's why it's its own thing. Cool. So the, the storyline, and we'll, we'll kind of go, go through this. The storyline is, so problem statement, just talked about it. What's the proven approach to address the problem, the product fit and payoff. I'm going to spend a minute on proven approach here. Mm-hmm. You want to ask questions like, what would need to be true of a solution for it to work in your case? And the reason is that so many times a buyer will step into a sales meeting looking for some type of solution with logic already concrete in their mind of what they need. And it's very challenging to go into helping them message their product if their team already has a certain view on what they need and you haven't spoken to it. So for example, if it's like more, you know, back to the marketing example, like we need more leads, MQLs are down. If one person thinks that's, hey, we need to better manage ad spend, and another is like, well, we need to produce more content that's optimized for SEO. Mm-hmm. Man, two totally different approaches to solving that problem, driving more MQLs. So have you helped them think through the right approach before going into the product? Let's say you you know, have some type of content marketing solution software. You got to get everybody else who's over here on paid ad spend over to a place of, oh yeah, okay, let's go organic. And then we can move into product.
0: What if they're not sold on it? What if, in that example, what if the person that's all about paid ads is not mm-hmm. sold on, on the content side? Like I personally know a, a CMO slash co-founder that's like, it's all about paid ads. That's how we get the majority of our leads. And and I'm, it, I'm not me, like I'm giving them, I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, you should invest more in brand and etc. cetera, et cetera. He's like, yeah, but what's the ROI in that? The a classic mm-hmm. CEO, you know, a lot of Dave Gerhardt talks about this. So what do you do when you can't get that person on board to where you're at?
1: So this is where you need to be working with your champion to try to figure out what is it that they see about that approach that you're not addressing in the conversation. So for example, if it's a sales leader who is coming in and pushing back and saying like, no, we can't go organic because I have a quota that we need to hit this Mm -hmm. month. In organic, we're talking like six, seven months out at most. It could be a timeline thing. Mm -hmm. He has a need today that's not being addressed and you're not talking about that in the message. So it's just going to fall on deaf ears. So you got to figure out what's driving that need that you're not yet speaking to. And that's where (laughs) back to discovery, you got to keep going deeper. And I, it may feel funny for some people to say, well, why are you talking about discovery? If we're talking about the post-demo process, discovery, like it continues on. It is the thing that you are doing with your champion because of all of these different opinions and points of view that have to come in the deal, the further and further down the pipeline you go.
0: Absolutely. I don't want to deviate too much, but you mentioned Mm -hmm. something interesting and I want to, and I feel like a lot of people are experiencing this. The example that you gave, and I know it's just an example, but I'm sure it's a real one. Um, The person has that, that marketing person has a quota to hit, which is why they're very focused on um, ad spend versus content and content Mm -hmm. dusting time, minimum six months. And your solution is very content-driven. That's how you help them. And so it, how can... And, and this is completely deviating away from this whole conversation. Yeah. But if we can spend maybe one minute talking about this, would you recommend... Is, 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 would that scenario play out where it's like, hey, maybe it's not a fit because this person is so headstrong on finding a solution that is providing more ad spend? Or like, how to, like at one point, either you're going to have to bend or they're going to have to bend or two people just walk away?
1: Mm -hmm. So what I would do is I would first try to, and this is where very much the challenger sale can come in, in your approach. Mm -hmm. I would first try to challenge that and say, hey, generally across the board, we're seeing um, acquisition performance marketing costs rising across all channels. What will you do if your cost per lead doubles over the next six months? And so you begin to come back to their basic fundamental need is delivering a certain number of MQLs. So that's what you are anchoring to, like their like core need, and putting them into a future state of saying, like, if your CPL isn't holding steady but it's increasing, what are you going to do? And that may be that may be one thing. There may be somebody else in the organization who's already there, and especially if it's somebody like the VP of marketing who is tasked specifically to look forward and in the future, as opposed to somebody in performance marketing that's responsible for today's numbers. Mm-hmm. they may have a different point of view. And they're, if they're just not in the deal, that could be the other option is pulling them into the deal as opposed to trying to just challenge and work with this one person who doesn't see it.
0: Yeah. And as you're speaking through this about like these different scenarios and different people within the org that have different goals and they have different goals, mm-hmm. it, like you said earlier, it's this is very apropos to like an a, like an enterprise or strategic complex sale. That's right. Cool. All right. I don't want to do all this, so I continue.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's good. It's good. So the, uh, the next piece that I want to talk through is how to build materials to guide your champion because you won't be there inside of every internal meeting. And oftentimes what ends up happening, I'll jump back real quick. This is like the classic follow-up email. Hey, here's today's presentation. Here are yep. the case studies, You know, so yep. on. Go share it with your team. And what was fascinating is, so I talked with over the last eight months now, just under 300 buyers. And what they talked about is the treasure hunt. And so what they do is they open up these links, they grab one or two sentences that relate, and then they go build their own material. They put it into what their team is already used to looking at and what they use to review new projects internally. So an example of this, what I had done is, here's one where the team used Google Docs. That's how they they wrote out a brief for every new project that they were working on. And so as we were talking, we would take and write out what our champion was telling us, the way that they thought about their goals. So, driving product adoption at scale, targeted product partnerships—these were their language taken from their team briefing deck on their current objectives. And you say and language?
0: You're talking about like using like a conversation intelligence solution to pluck out the trend, like that it transcribes mm-hmm. what they say and then pluck that out.
1: Yep. So if you if you have a gong or you have a chorus, like look at their exact language. Um, if you don't have something, just take notes and type it. Type this up verbatim as you're talking with them, because yeah. their language it has to look in in sound exactly like them. Yep. Because the words they choose to use have meaning and they're very intentional based on what their team is talking about.
0: That resonates. I don't want to like like try on too much, but that resonates with me so much. Like hmm. I always tell some of my students, and like when you're taking notes, don't take like don't try to create overarching high level notes about what they said, actually quote them on the notes. Mm -hmm. So you can bring it up, even though you can bring it up on the demo, on the close, on the follow. Love that Uh, part.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like if somebody says MQL, don't say lead.
0: Right. Because lead
1: could mean something else.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even like there was a, I did a coaching call the other day and and the process, I was listening to the call and the prospect listening to the, to the rep, um, uh, yeah, you know, I, I was hired a week ago. A week ago, and I was tasked with this. But they, you know, they hire people overseas, and it's just mm-hmm. it's giving me such a headache. I'm, I told the rep like right in word, and I quote, "It's giving me such a headache." And you're going to use that later on.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And so, man, the more that you can use their language, the more they're one going to be willing to share that and stick right. with it to guide their message. Um, and then two, the more it's going to be well received by their team because they're going to be referencing or framing things based on internal conversations and the last piece of this is like this shouldn't just be you shipping it across the fence i'd love to share it in process mm. and be like hey i took a I took a swing at recapping what i think are the most important takeaways for you what you want to share with your team could you jump in here and let me know if there are things that we should clarify edit um and that's where it becomes you're selling together you're selling with them as opposed to to them in building out that narrative
0: very cool I do. Um, I find your, for those of you that don't know what fluent is, I I think it's worth, I usually don't do this, but I think this is so apropos to the audience. Give a little blurb about what fluent is. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I just feel like the audience will say like, Holy crap, that was really helpful, Nate, but like, all right, how, how do I take, you know, and it's like maybe a little blurb.
1: Yeah. So, um, fluent helps you sell with champions and it converts your conversation. So we write out key phrases that the champion is saying during a conversation and allow you to drag and drop into a workspace where you're building that business case. So you and your champion build a case around their own words, and then you can insert your product design. So basically the process that we're talking about, that my teams were doing super manually and I was Mm -hmm. doing selling, we just make it easier. You automate it a little bit more. Are
0: you, um, is Fluent integrated with like a gong or a chorus, one of those, and that's how it's able to use the, the words that the prospects are using? Like, how are you able to do that?
1: Yeah. So because we're building around a very different use case um, than Gong, we don't like replace. You continue to use that. Mm -hmm. But what we do is we use the microphone speakers on your hardware instead of the software. Because what we found is that buyers would say, hey, we're going to jump onto a Teams call. You know, We use Teams here, grab this link, join the team conversation, and Mm -hmm. then you'd lose that audio. So um, in user interviews, the request was, hey, I want to use any meeting platform instead of a specific one.
0: So it, transcri- it takes that, that meeting and transcribes it. And do you, is somebody using Fluent, do they have to go in and point out and sort of highlight which words they want to use? Or does Fluent automatically know what's important?
1: Good question. So it's making suggestions by highlighting keywords for you because mm-hmm. it's all coming through in real time. So Fluent is writing it out in the same moment that your buyer is talking. Mm-hmm. So instead of having to type up notes in yep. any app during a meeting, you can just drag and drop what you want to save.
0: Very cool. All right. Where can people find you?
1: Fluent.io is the best place to check out the company. Um, tio and then LinkedIn. Um, Nate Nisrala on LinkedIn.
0: Yeah. And I'll drop your uh, your link um, on the description of the episode.
1: Sweet. That's thanks, awesome. Nate. Well, thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you found this relevant or practical at all, then please share this episode. Until next time, I'm your host, Mor Asulin.